0: I'm really shocked at some of the emails I receive from men who say they are ministers. They often present a long list of things they are doing for God. The list frequently includes they are building homes for the aged, they are building orphanages. They are building schools. They are building hospitals. They are going all over the world and preaching the gospel. One man said that he wanted to give a Bible to every person who attended his church service. And the people who write these letters to me always have one thing in common— After they tell all the works that they are doing, they beg me to send money to pay for their works. I don't believe that kind of thing is God at all. Every time God has told me to do something, the money has been there to do the work or the work is so inexpensive it doesn't require any extra money. I just don't believe those works are of God. At the judgment seat of Christ, we will all appear at the judgment seat of Christ, where we will receive for that which we've done on this earth, whether it's good or bad. That's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Jesus says a very shocking thing in Matthew chapter 7 concerning judgment at the end time. Jesus says, starting at verse 21, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven, Many will come to me in that day, saying, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works? And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I never knew you. It was not my idea for you to do that work. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. The good works that we do could be evil when they're authored by our own minds and our own desires. I used to be so shocked when people at church would come up to me after I went on radio and say, oh, I want to do what you're doing. And I'd say, you do? It always amazed me. I wasn't trying to do anything, though. When I went on radio, I was obeying God. So that's the difference. There's a story of the artist Vincent van Gogh who wanted to be a minister, he went to seminary school by the story of the movie. He went to seminary school to be a to be a, a missionary. He was the worst person that they had in the seminary, and they refused to give him an assignment. But then there was some type of crisis in one of the poor nations, the coal-bearing nations, and they let him go there and work, but he was perfectly terrible in trying to do the work. You can't do a work of God, or you shouldn't try to do a work of God unless the work is assigned to you by God. When God persuaded me to go into the ministry, I owned a business at that time, and when I was fully persuaded that I was to actually do this. I closed my business on July 31st, 1979. I had nowhere to go in the ministry. I had money from my business, about $22,000 left over from the sale of merchandise, so I could live on that money. But I just stayed home at my apartment and waited for God to show me what to do because I didn't know where I was to do this work. I knew what I was to do. I knew I was an apostle prophet. God had told me both of these offices, and he had trained me in both offices. The prophet office had been confirmed even from my own pastor, Robert Tilton. Uh, Bob got up on the platform one day, and it was shocking to me Because I'd never told anyone at that church what I was called to do. But Bob said, Joan Boney is not a teacher. She is a prophet. Uh, It surprised me that Bob knew that. I'd never told anyone I was called as an apostle. Well, I didn't tell anyone I was called as a prophet either at that church. Later, God showed me in my writings to put apostle prophet after my name and identify myself as Paul identified himself to the church so I did do it it offended many when I did that but I did it anyway so in 1979 I'm just at my apartment waiting I didn't know what I was to do I read the Bible, I continued to attend church, I attended a prayer group, and that was all I did. All day long, I stayed at my apartment reading the Bible, letting God instruct me. At one point, there was a job open at a school in Dallas called Christ for the Nations. It was for Dean of Women. I might have been able to get that job. I have an earned doctorate in education. So I might have been qualified for that job in their sight. But I never did feel that was what I was supposed to do as an apostle prophet. So I did not apply for that job. I just waited month after month and read the Bible all day and went to church and went to the prayer group did what I saw to do. On January 10th, 1980, in the night, I was awakened by a very loud trumpet-like voice that spoke three words into my ear. Later, I was persuaded that this was an angel of God who spoke these words to me. Because it was so strong. It was just like a trumpet. I jumped out of bed. The words were Hartford, Seattle, KWJS. I jumped out of bed and wrote those words, KWJS, on a notepad. I didn't want to get the letters mixed up. I felt they were call letters to radio or television. I said to God well I found out first of all that it was a radio station and I said to God are you telling me to go on radio? I wouldn't know how to do that. And I also told God reminded him I'm a writer not a speaker. I heard immediately call the radio station manager. I heard it in the form of a thought brought up from within me, which I know to be the Holy Spirit speaking. Call the radio station manager, so that morning I did. And I said to the station manager, God might be showing me to go on radio, how would you do that? The station manager said, Make an audition tape twenty nine and a half minutes long, and send it to us if you fit our broadcasting, we will offer you a contract that same morning. I got my cassette tape recorder, my kitchen timer, set it for twenty nine and a half minutes, and began recording. I got the cassette tape off in the mail to the station manager that same morning. Within five days, I was broadcasting on radio KWJS. After I started on that one station, I added two more stations, then another station, then another, as funds became available. And finally, I was on radio from coast to coast by the end of the year of that same year. I was on radio, literally, from Hartford to Seattle, which is exactly what that angel said to me in that dream, Hartford, Seattle, KWJS. As we start a project assigned by God, frequently we run into trouble along the way, and the trouble could cause us to doubt the project if we didn't know That God authored the project. As in this description, I had no way to deny that God had authored authored the project. I had never even heard of KWJS. I had no experience with radio, I'd never heard a radio broadcast in a religious uh, venue. I had no doubt God put me on radio. When God puts you in a work, it's been my experience that the money is there to take care of the work, even a work as expensive as radio. And it is expensive. I'm always amazed when these ministers tell me all the things they're trying to do, and then they tell me they're going into all the world to preach the gospel, and they want money. I'm always amazed because why don't they just start in their town where they are? Why don't they start in their own neighborhood preaching? Maybe they do, but their goals are far in advance of the money they have to pay for the goal, and I always question: Was this really the way God wanted them to go? God might assign us to a ministry to to do a work. We're either apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastors, or teachers. That's in Ephesians four. After Jesus arose, He gave to the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. Ephesians 4, 11, 12. I'm always amazed, though, because you might actually be one of these offices, but you have to wait until you see exactly how God is going to have you do the office you can't just go out there and try to copy some other preacher who started a church or you can't just go out there and take a job at a church that would could defeat the project entirely you have to know not only what to do but how to do it and only God can reveal that to you so after your call of God you wait upon God until he tells you what to do We have the example of Philip the Evangelist when the Holy Spirit told him exactly where to go and he went out there and found that Ethiopian eunuch in a carriage and preached the gospel to the eunuch and then baptized him. We have a pattern there even. We have a pattern when God sent them out, his disciples out. I think that's in Matthew 10. We have several patterns in the Bible, but it was always God sending them and telling them where to go and telling them what to do. In the case of Matthew 10, I believe he told them to go to the house of Israel, which, uh, and not to the Gentiles, but to the house of Israel. See, he tells you not only what to do, but how to do it when you're called to one of these offices. Looking back on the offices to which I'm called Apostle-Prophet, there are so many church groups today that teach there, that there are no apostles and prophets. They teach things that like Paul was the last apostle. Paul was not the last apostle. Messiah replaced Judas, Acts 1. Paul is the first of these New Testament apostles, which were appointed after Jesus was resurrected. Paul was on the road to Damascus. He was catching Christians to have them killed. At the time, Jesus revealed himself to Paul. Paul wasn't anything like the other apostles. There are even scriptures which cause me to believe that many in Paul's day did not think he could be an apostle. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 2 is one of those scriptures. Paul says to the people, Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? He saw him on the road to Damascus. He saw him by faith. Are ye not my work in the Lord? If I be not an apostle unto others, yet doubtless I am to you, for the seal of my apostleship are ye in the Lord. Paul is saying, you're evidence of my apostleship. It makes me believe that there were many in Paul's day who did not think he could be an apostle. Almost every one of his epistles start out identifying himself as an apostle. If you notice in the first verse of almost every epistle he wrote the church, he will say, Paul, an apostle chosen by God. Paul, an apostle of God set in the body of Christ, such and such. You see, he was stating, I am an apostle. So, what are you going to do if you're in an office like Apostle Prophet, where they don't allow you to operate and work in the church? God took me another way. It made no sense to me at the time, But it does looking back on it, because he took me in a way where I could perform the offices of apostle, prophet, without being stopped by the leadership of churches. He put me on radio. They had no control over me. Well, the radio stations later could put me off the air because I had to do judgment messages, but... These church groups themselves couldn't control me. I was free, as a prophet, to speak messages of God to the church. Prophets are always killed by the churches because prophets deliver messages of correction to the churches. One of my favorite examples is when I was visiting my mother in Clovis, New Mexico, years ago, a couple of Baptist women and I went to have coffee. One Baptist woman began telling me about her church and a woman at her church. She said, this woman just is so against the pastor. He's building a new building, and she is so against the pastor. What do you think might be wrong with this woman? And without any thought at all, it came up to me, and I said, maybe she's a prophet. There was no more talk after that. Prophets do this type of thing. They see the pastor going in the wrong direction. They try to warn the pastor, and they're chased out of the churches very often. Bob Tilton at Word of Faith back in the 80s invited one of the prophets from his own church to be on his television program. Just before they went on camera, he said to Ava, just one thing, don't say anything on camera about being a prophet because it's not popular. Ava was devastated. She called me after the TV show crying. I was furious with Bob for doing that because I knew he killed a prophet. Matthew 23: "There's a penalty on you if you kill a prophet and try to keep a prophet from speaking, because they were always doing this. The churches were always trying to keep prophets from speaking. All through the Old Testament, they did this. Often prophets had to deliver the message and flee. Those per prophets, they didn't have the advantage we do today. They couldn't deliver it by email or recording. They had to go in person and deliver the message directly to the person. And two, more than one time, the prophet was told, deliver the message and flee. They killed prophets. They were continually killing prophets over and over. And yet, they were sent to the churches. God said to Ezekiel, they won't listen to you because they won't listen to me. Yet, he sent Ezekiel to the churches, or to the synagogues of their day, be the churches of our day. They won't listen to me, and so they won't listen to you, but you go and you speak to them all the words that I give you, God said to Ezekiel. And that's what prophets do, and they're they're always killing prophets. Well, Bob had killed a prophet, and I saw in Matthew 23 a a penalty which I knew was going to happen to Bob. Because you've done this, your house will be left unto you desolate. And I delivered that message to Bob. Now, I delivered it by cassette tape. Ava was one of the office workers in Tilton's office, and she told me they did hear the tape. She said, Bob and Marty, his wife, and Ava and some others heard the tape where I chastised him for killing the prophet, Ava. They heard the tape, and I asked her. I said, "Did he hear it?" And she said, "Yes, they heard it." And she said, after they heard it, Bob got some scissors and they cut it up and put it in the wastebasket. And I think she said they went around it claiming scriptures that this wouldn't happen to him. <laughs> well, they didn't. They didn't uh, succeed. I'm not laughing at the tragedy that happened to him, but I was laughing at the fact that he tried to stop the message and couldn't. He tried to stop the fate that was going to come upon him, and he went right into the fate that was going to cause his demise. That was 1982 that I delivered that message to Bob. By approximately 1988 through 1980. 1991, things began to surface about Bob Tilton. Even some of his own church members filed a lawsuit against him because he had promised a hundredfold return on offerings and that didn't happen. There was much corruption on the taking up of money. He put, send me your prayer request on all of his printed materials and solicited prayer requests on his television show. People sent the prayer requests to Farmers Branch, Texas, where his church building was, and the prayer requests were automatically forwarded, unopened, to a bank in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where the bank employees opened the envelope, removed the money, and threw the prayer request in the garbage. That's how prayer requests were handled. ABC Primetime Live did an expose about Bob Tilton. You can see this if you care to do so on the Internet Encyclopedia, which is called Wikipedia. All you do to see it is type in Robert Tilton on the Internet, and it'll pull it up. It's a sad story, a very revealing story of his demise. That was another thing he did, They did a secret television thing filming Bob on an airplane and they found out much corruption and broadcast it. But the main thing they did is show that bank and the dumpsters where the prayer request ended up in Tulsa, Oklahoma where Bob wasn't even in Tulsa. Offerings dropped from $80 million a year to $2 million. $2 million is still an awful lot of money. I have never, well, I've never seen a million dollars. I've never seen $100,000 a year. I don't think we've ever had that. Anyway, the demise of Tilton went further, unfortunately. I mean, I just hate divorce-remarriage. He and Marty divorced. He remarried. He married a woman who said she was an evangelist. And then she filed a lawsuit against him, and they divorced. Then he remarried another woman. He married another woman, the third woman. His house completely disintegrated. His church disintegrated. They finally ended up, Farmer's Branch uh, took over the church building. They were going to create some kind of center, but the economic crisis hit at that moment, and a Dallas professional hockey team ended up with the church building, tore the building down, and built a youth hockey center where the church building had been, it was completely, the church itself, there's no sign that I know of at Farmer's Branch, that a church building ever stood at that location. It was like his whole life was wiped out. He tried to start a television ministry in Florida, and it didn't come to the level the one he had in Dallas It'd be very hard to equal what he had in Dallas, which was $80 million a year offerings. He got involved heavily in infomercial type things and begging for money and trying to sell prosperity ideas and messages and getting money for them. He, He got involved in all kinds of ministry evil. And then he eventually... I think got rid of the ministry completely and bought a hotel in Culver City, California. That's that Los Angeles area. The Wikipedia article said that one of their investigative reporters went to attend a, so to speak, church service. It was in a meeting room, a board meeting room with a table and about six people were there. And when they found out he was a reporter, they escorted him out of the room and told him not to come back. That's what it demised to. So it was a total destruction. But the reason centered on killing a prophet back there in 1982. That scripture is in Matthew 23, where Jesus He says you circle land and sea to make one proselyte and when he's made you make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. He says you want to wear long robes and be recognized and have the uppermost seats at feast. You call yourself rabbi, rabbi and you love it. Today they call themselves reverend, reverend and they love it. That is not in the Bible to call a minister reverend. No minister ever called himself Reverend in the Bible. It's not Reverend Peter, Reverend Paul, Reverend John, Reverend Jesus. The Bible says holy and reverend is God's name, and no man ever called himself that, but they do today. These are idols. These are men who want to be idols, and they are idols in their church groups. It's evil. I would not call them reverend. Neither would I go to any church where they call themselves reverend. And the Catholic Church, of course, calls their ministers father. And Jesus said in Matthew 23, and call no man your father. But they want to be idolized. They want to have this glory of humans. And Jesus said in Matthew 23, all their works they do to be, are to be seen of men. He said they devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayer. Therefore they will receive the greater damnation. Matthew 23. That's just the way it is. I have, through the past 40 years, been very careful about doing any kind of work for God. The first assignment I had was in 1980 when God put me on radio by the word of the Lord that was delivered to me by what I believe to have been an angel of the Lord and even delivered me the call letters to the radio station, which is where I started radio broadcast. The next big assignment that I received from God was in March 2012, from 1980 to March 2012. In March 2012, God gave me a dream and showed me to go on Internet with a blog. In the dream, a woman was on stage singing, and I said, Well, it's a nice little voice. It's a little voice, but it's a nice little voice. And after that, God showed me the blog. And I think a blog is just exactly that. It's a nice little voice. It's a little voice to the church, but it's certainly a nice little voice. It costs nothing. You have complete freedom to speak the word of God. As a minister, you will find people try to stop you from speaking the message that's from God, and they try to get you to speak another message. I was confronted by the radio station manager in Seattle. He said, Joan, you have many good messages. Just speak those. But if you continue to speak these judgment messages, I don't know what's going to happen to you. We may have to put you off the air. The Holy Spirit rose up in me and said, George, if I don't speak the message that I believe to be from God, then I don't have a message, and I may as well be off the air. In other words, you can't alter the message. If God wants you to speak a judgment messages, you speak that. If God wants you to speak about taking thoughts captive, you speak that. And often when I speak, I speak several messages in one broadcast. My next assignment was in 2015. And in 2015, well, by the way, we did start a blog, and it's still, we still have a blog. We've been publishing since uh, 2012, and we've published over 11,000 messages on our blog. Our blog name is Jesus Ministries Exhortations. 2015, Another assignment came through a series of Holy Spirit concepts being brought to my mind. I saw to begin writing books on Amazon. I like Amazon because we have a they have a free book program whereby we are able to give our book away 5 times within a 90-day period. Each book can be given away five times, and we have almost 50 books with Amazon now. So all of our materials can be given away all over the world. And I particularly like it because of that one fact. The next assignment was December the 6th, 2018. I fell at my house in Texas and broke a hip and a wrist. As I was trying to crawl to the telephone, which was no small matter because I could only crawl about a quarter of an inch at a time without, the, with the severe pain, I heard from the Holy Spirit, you can do this. If I hadn't heard that, I don't believe I could have gotten to that phone. I crawled four and a half hours in the middle of the night. I did get to the phone pulled it off by the cable, pulled it off the table, but the receiver squirted across the room and I never saw it again. But there was a Kindle tablet being recharged. It was sitting under that table about three feet away from me, so I had to crawl three feet further to get my hand on that tablet. But if I could get my hand on the tablet, I felt... I might be able to send an email out to our church group asking for help. I did get to the tablet. I did manage to get an email sent, and I simply said, help, fell ambulance, send ambulance. Pam Padgett in Colorado Springs got the email along with the others. She called the Lubbock Police Department, had them send an ambulance to get me she contacted all the members of our church group then and said she had taken care of it. As the ambulance workers rolled me on the gurney past the front door of my house, I very clearly heard from the Holy Spirit, you'll never see this house again, and I didn't. Put it up for sale, I moved in with Pam Paget. She took me in and my cat into her home in Colorado Springs. And that's where I live now. October, November 2019. And this is an interesting example because God had to speak to me three times before I did this. The thought came into my mind, read the Old Testament. I was aware of it the first day I received the thought. These thoughts from the Holy Spirit are so gentle at first, you, you just can miss them, or, or you just barely know he's spoken to you. The next day, I heard, read the Old Testament. That day, I paid more attention, but I still didn't do it. I paid more attention, though, and I kept thinking, "I, I yes, I enjoyed the Old Testament. I love reading the Old Testament, but I didn't do it. The third day, I heard, Read the Old Testament. Now, these were just gentle thoughts. They weren't threatening or demanding, but God kept giving me opportunities to do them. The third day, I stopped what I was doing, turned to Genesis 1, and started reading. In John chapter 16, verse 13, Jesus says, "...the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth." I believe this is an example of being guided into all truth. I started reading, just like I heard to do, and then the thought came, maybe I should send this to our church group, which I did. This exhortation, I've been given by God a gift of exhortation, a spiritual gift of exhortation. So I sent this to our church group, whatever I was reading, and then the thought came, maybe I should put this on our blog. See how I'm being guided by the Holy Spirit? So I thought, yes, I really, that'd be a good idea. So I put it on our blog. Then the thought came, maybe I should write a book about this with Amazon. And then as I started writing a book, I saw this was not going to be one book. This was going to be a volume of books on the Old Testament relating it to the New Testament, which I'm currently writing. We've published Volume 1 and 2, and I'm working on Volume 10. Pam Paget does all the technical work and puts it into publication form for Amazon. But 1 and 2 are out there right now. Uh, volume 1 is entitled, um, let's see, what is it? God in His image. Because people always say, Oh my God would never do that. And I know they don't know a thing about God. When you read the Old Testament, you see God in His own image and you can have a much better idea of what God might do. The next assignment given to me was January 2020. I had been praying about going back on radio I had not been on radio since 1984 and I was a little concerned that I might be too old my voice might not be might not hold up but I was praying about it in January 2020 God spoke the word to Pam Paget podcast Pam looked it up to see what a podcast was and she told me what a podcast is, which was basically a verbal blog. And I said, well, that sounds good. You better look into that and see what it requires. Pam does all the technical work for everything I do, getting us on Amazon, getting us on uh, a blog. She keeps everything going technically. So she found out what a podcast was, how you set it up, the equipment you need, and everything like that. It was amazing to me because it was so much better than radio. I don't think I'd ever heard, I might have heard of a podcast, but I certainly had never thought about what it might be. When we looked into it, it cost almost nothing to do it. And also what I liked about it is instead of being a one-time broadcast where the person has one shot at hearing that broadcast. The podcast is a library of messages, an audio library. And they can hear it at any time. I thought this was wonderful. A second great advantage to podcast is it had no time limitation. You may recall the radio station limitation was 29 and a half minutes long. But I wasn't limited on podcast. It could be 20 minutes, it could be 50 minutes, it could be 40 minutes. The message dictated the length of time of the broadcast. I thought this was wonderful. It had so many advantages over radio. So we began doing podcasts in February uh, 2020. And that's worked out beautifully. You will see that of all these assignments God has given me, there are a few characteristics. One is there's no censorship of my message. I have spoken whatever message I thought God wanted. You could never do that in the churches the way they're set up today. The message would have to be censored by man. A prophet cannot be censored. So that's the first big advantage. The second advantage is all of them, with the exception of radio, were very inexpensive and very easy to do. Radio was easy to do at the beginning. It was just one station at first. But as the stations grew in number, it was harder, much harder. One of the stations we had in New York City in that area One of the stations was $2,400 a month in 1980. And that was really difficult. So radio became harder for me as I went along. And then, of course, they highly fought the message and put me off radio stations. As I got the judgment messages from God, I was put off about half of my stations. So it became more difficult. Blog was wonderful. It didn't cost anything to do it. We paid a little advertising just to be more visible, but it um, it was wonderful. And the messages aren't censored on blog. Amazon does not censor 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 my messages. I am free to write freely on Amazon without any um, editorializing. And now podcast. It's not censored. This is very important for prophets. Well, it's important for every minister not to be censored by man. Our goal is not a goal to be popular. Our goal is to speak the message that God wants spoken. The churches are speaking enough popular things. But God has messages for you today that are to try to get you ready for the return of Jesus Christ. And those messages will be fought by religious people. Anyway, I just don't do a work of God unless I'm certain God has authored that work. I also recommend that you live the same way. Otherwise, you'll be doing all these works down here, visiting the sick and doing all these things that some church dreams up for you to do. And there will be no reward for you in heaven. And you might even be turned away for all eternity. Remember where we started this message? Let's finish, conclude this message by going back and looking at that scripture where Jesus said, they would come to him, many would come to him, saying, Lord, Lord, we did this, we did that. Let's look at that once again. It's in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. Jesus says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will come in that day saying, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils? And in thy name have done many wonderful works? And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. They might know Jesus, but he doesn't know them. He didn't send them to do this work, is what he's saying. This was your own good idea. And you've had your reward from men on the earth, but get away from me because you have no part with me. That's what he's saying. So we have to be very careful. We want to be very sure that every work that we do for God is authored by God, and not by our own thinking. This is Joan Boney speaking. Every scripture that I have reco- have here presented to you today is recorded on our blog, so you can see it in writing. Go to Jesus Ministries Exhortations. Look on the right-hand side of the home page under Podcast. Click on that link. It will bring up this message and you can hear the message again. That title of that message is, I don't do works of God unless God shows me to do that work. You can hear the message again if you want to hear it, but you can see it all in writing. The scriptures. And that's very helpful to us, to see the scriptures in writing. Once again, the blog name is Jesus Ministries Exhortations. Thank you for allowing me to speak this to you today.